Thank you, Nigel. Good morning, church. Let's try it one more time. Good morning, church. Excellent. I have, I love it, I have the um, privilege of speaking to you today around the kingdom and the church. And wasn't worship awesome? Isn't it great when we worship the king? There's such power and freedom and love in that. And upon that foundation, uh, I'm going to stand and um, share a brief message with you this morning. And then actually, just to give you a heads up, kind of where we're going, there's going to be communion at the end as well. And I think that is such a um, glorious moment to also receive from God. So let me start by actually asking you a fairly simple question, or seemingly simple. Where are we? Where are we? You might say church. Fantastic. You might say Bar End, Winchester. Where are we? Well, let me tell you a story, because actually I think this is both a simple question, but also has quite profound consequences. So let me take you back a few years when I was um, a little bit shorter, but not much, uh, and uh, a, a little teenage lad. And um, my dad took me and a bunch of my friends mountain climbing up this mountain. Now, I must say, this must be the one day in kind of a decade that it looks like this. Uh, this is Snowdon, albeit it's been um, renamed into, sorry, this is Snowdonia, but the mountain's actually called Triffon. And so we were going on a hike up this mountain, me and a bunch of my friends, and it is a fantastic climb. We were fully kitted out, we were ready. Um, we got up to the top, except we didn't see the beautiful views from the top it starts to look a lot more like this. Yeah, I think the projector makes that even better. Um, we had summited, we were coming down the other side, and suddenly the cloud came in. I don't know if you've ever had that feeling of being lost. It's really quite scary, actually, and it must have been even more scary for my dad, having a number of teenage boys with him, but for us as a group, we were there, a little bit down from the summit, some steep slopes around us, not knowing where we were going. We had a map with us, we had all the gear, we still were confused as to exactly where we were, which way should we go. We knew time was pressing on. Let me kind of take a step out. When we feel lost, when we don't know where we are, I believe this leads us into places where we expend energy on the wrong things, where we can get scared, where we can see things wrongly and make quite often poor decisions. And I don't think that's part of God's plan. In fact, I know that's not God's plan. God's plan is for us to be known and for us to know where we're going. So let's step back into the story. What happened? Um, well, a small miracle, actually. So my dad called us together, and we um, prayed that the Lord would show us the way. And we actually were around about there on the mountain. And after we said that prayer, for a few precious seconds, the cloud lifted, and we could see straight down to the lake where my mum and the car was, just a little ring, straight down. Suddenly, we knew where we were, we knew where we were going. The cloud came back in again, but we knew the way. God's absolute grace. 
So let me come back and to that question again. Where are we? And let me pick up on the point of us being in church. So do we know where we're at as a church? You may well be following kind of the different series. I, I hope you, that you are. I believe God is calling us on such an amazing journey. You know, last year was talking about renew. This year we're into this season of multiply. And um, uh, in some of the worship this morning, one of the lines was, you know, things have just begun and there is more. And those words, those prophetic words, I believe are really what God is pressing in, is wanting us to press in too. But let me take that question and maybe ask it in a slightly different way. Oh, that font size has gone down. Never mind. Um, do you know what the vision of the church is? And do you know what the mission of the church is? So I'm going to say, take 30 seconds, speak to your neighbor. There's no um, kind of need to get it right. There's no kind of perfect answer here. Turn to your neighbor and just have a quick chat. What do you think the vision and mission of the church is? Go for it. I love seeing your different faces. Some of you are, are absolutely on it. Others have kind of more questioning faces on you. Um, I believe the church is the most unique, powerful, generous, countercultural organization on the planet. I'll press into that more as we go through. It's so often misunderstood, and it's so often put into a box based on preconceptions. So I wonder what you what you said. Does anyone want to shout out what you, uh, what you think? Two or three people? The vision of the church? Maybe you said things like community or service. Um, maybe it's discipleship. Maybe Jesus. What I want to do now is just press into a few Bible verses that uncover this and which um, I hope kind of help us see where we are and where we're going. So this is Luke 4, um, and this is Jesus. So let's read this together. He went to Nazareth, where he'd been brought up. And on the Sabbath day, Jesus, this is, went into the synagogue, as was his custom. He stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor, he has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. And he began by saying to them, today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Here is Jesus right at the start of his ministry, building on Old Testament prophecies and saying, you know what, this, this is my vision. This is what I'm about. And what an amazing vision it is. Good news, freedom, recovery of sight, the year of the Lord's favor. A little bit later in Luke 4, we see Jesus sharing his mission, as it were. So at sunset, people brought to Jesus all who had various kinds of sickness and laying his hands on each one, he healed them. 
Moreover, demons came out of many people, shouting, you are the son of God. But he rebuked them and would not allow them to speak because they knew he was the Messiah. At daybreak, Jesus went to a solitary place. The people were looking for him. And when they came to where he was, they tried to keep him from leaving them. But he said, it's a key bit, I must proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns also, because that is why I was sent. And he kept on preaching in the synagogues of Judea. And two others, which I won't read out fully, but which I just share, is actually then Jesus sharing some of his vision and mission with his followers. So in Matthew 6, as Laura actually um, shared just a moment ago, when people were worrying about what they should eat or drink or wear or some of the fears and concerns of life, Jesus said in Matthew 6, 33, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And then appropriately for a global partners uh, Sunday, the great commission that Jesus gives his disciples in a sense that Jesus gives his church. He says, therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. So what is the vision and mission of the church? I believe, and actually I'm pulling on two fantastic books here, which um, uh, if you want a book to read, if there's a book which life groups maybe want to pick up, we've been doing it in ours and it's been fantastic. Um, It's such an easy read, but also so powerful. And so in this book, uh, a pastor called Jeremy Treat, uh, who wrote the Seek First book, he sums up the vision of the church as the kingdom of God. I wonder if you got that right earlier. The kingdom of God. This is what Jesus announced, that year of the Lord's favour, the proclamation of the good news. What is the kingdom of God? It is God's reign, God being king, us submitting to God, God ruling over all. That amazing freedom through, not just over God's people, we're not just subjects, we're also his ambassadors. We are his church, his hands and feet. So through God's people and over God's creation. Paul said a few weeks ago, it's like the Edenization of the world. So if you think back into Genesis, when God made uh, the Garden of Eden and everything was good, everything was right, everything was in right relationship, that is what God's vision is. And so the kingdom of God is this Edenization. It starts in our own hearts And actually God's will is it for it be to our our city, our family, and our world. The vision, sorry, the mission is then making disciples to represent their king in all of life. And so this is what we as the church have. And you might ask, well, how does Vineyard fit into this? That's a great question. And if you look at what the Vineyard vision is, you'll see that they say, to participate in the advancement of the kingdom of God, that phrase again, through the work of local vineyard churches that communicate the gospel of Jesus Christ in word and in practice. And they summarize it with this amazing sentence, extending God's kingdom together, everywhere, in every way. I was once told, let the size of your vision reflect the size of your God. 
And I think that's a pretty awesome vision for that. Extending God's kingdom every, together, everywhere, in every way. And if that looks familiar, you may well have seen this as you walked into the room. This is uh, a little pull-up banner just outside the door. And this is what we are about. How do you feel part of that? And how really is it relating to our culture? Well, if I went out into the streets today, do you think many people kind of walk under that vision? Do you think this is something which we can easily relate to, which others immediately um, uh, would say is similar to what they're walking under? The, the, there is a concept called um, kind of a worldview or a master narrative and actually, I think it's really good for us just to stop for a moment and think, what is it that our culture is aiming for? I said the church was countercultural. So what, what is it that our culture looks for? And so if I flip this question around a little bit and said, what is the vision of current culture? What is their mission? There's something called the American dream. I wonder if we kind of have that here as well. You see, I think, and I suggest this, that actually our current culture is looking for this pursuit of happiness. How can I find contentment? How can I be happy? How can I be me and be a really happy person? And how does that work out? Well, I need to be a really good, hardworking person. I need to do all that I can. I need to find my own destiny, to find love, to be entertained, to be comfortable. It's all about me. It's all about my happiness. And that may well work out as some good fruit in that, but actually, that's not the mission and vision of the church. And I think there's a, a slight warning here, almost that I want to share this morning, that the master narrative of our culture often isn't explained. It often isn't talked about. It's just that unconscious narrative which we go along with. And we can quite often have that seep into our Christian faith. And so whilst this, you may think, yeah, no, I'm not going to go for that, Andy. It's not just around being happiness. It's not just around me. Let me potentially just Christianize this for a moment and see if this fits in with anything that you might have thought. What's the vision of our current culture? Love, joy, peace, all those good things. What's the mission? Well, live my life in its fullness and enjoy God. That's okay, but that's not the vision that the Bible gives us. Let me be really clear. That's okay. Those things actually are the fruits of the Spirit at the top, and that's wonderful. We're not called actually just the fruits of the Spirit. We're called to be in the vine. We're called to the kingdom of God, which is so much more. What's the mission? Well, it's not actually just about living my life. It's not about self. It's about others. It's about making disciples and redeeming all of creation. It's not just about us. And so this is where, as we start thinking about the kingdom of God, it really shapes all of our life. And it shapes how we do life as well. As Dave mentioned last week, it's this upside-down kingdom. It's something which gives us such purpose and perspective, but it is so often different to what our current culture says. 
So in this, let me just dive in one more um, uh, layer, as it were, and then we'll come back out, because I think it's really important. I want to see where we are today. So the last three Sundays have been the, the white text um, on the bottom here. So Paul started off this little series in the Old Testament, looking ahead to the kingdom. How does the Old Testament prophecies and promises really lay the foundation for the kingdom of God? Because the Bible is the most incredible book and it is all connected. And so the Old Testament isn't there on its own and something which we should just disregard. It is still absolutely God's word. Then we came into the New Testament and Jesus announcing the kingdom. That bit that I read from Isaiah, that scroll that Jesus read, that's Jesus saying, the kingdom of God starts now. Then Dave last week went into Jesus proclaiming and teaching the kingdom. How does the kingdom of God operate? It's very different to what the church was expecting. You see, Old Testament thinking and what people of that day thought would be that the age that the Old Testament was in would come to an end and then the new age of the kingdom of God would start. What we're actually seeing is that, let me, let me go to the next slide, is that God's kingdom has started when Jesus announced it, but that our current physical fallen world is still going. So we live in this time now, which is the already and not yet. Where are we? We're in the already and not yet. We're in a space where we still have sin, brokenness, pain, suffering, but we also have the fullness of God's kingdom available to us because Jesus has died, he has risen. And there's a little kind of sub-note there, which um, uh, I don't want to miss out on, which is the Holy Spirit. Because when we do the kingdom, and I'm really excited for the coming few weeks because we're going to be looking a bit more at living out the kingdom, the Holy Spirit is what Jesus has given us to do this. He doesn't just ask for us to do it on our own. He has given us the Holy Spirit. And in fact, if I look at the book of Acts, I hadn't spotted this before I um, prepared this, but how does Acts start? It starts with the author Luke, who wrote the Gospel of Luke, saying, in my former book, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and teach. All that Jesus began to do and teach, the healings, the casting out of demons, the, the resurrected life, the power that he had, that was all Jesus beginning the work of the kingdom. It was said um, in this Seek First book uh, uh, that Jesus doesn't just sit on a deck chair in heaven and spectate. Jesus actually is more actively involved in the world and in our lives now than he was when he was here on earth. Jesus isn't some faraway spectator. He is here now. And what the Bible says is that we can do immeasurably more, and we can do more than Jesus did here on earth. Why is that? Because the Holy Spirit is with us. And if we look at the early church, they got this. They were on quite a journey, and if you ever think church is boring... Go and read Acts, and I can tell you that after reading it, you'll know that it is full of excitement and full of God's mercy and glory. And Acts ends, so if that's the first verse of Acts, the last verse of Acts is about Paul. And it says, 
Uh, For two years, Paul stayed there in his own rented house, and um, uh, and he welcomed all who came to see him. He proclaimed the kingdom of God, there it is again, and taught about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. The early church got that vision, and they got their mission. Do we? So what is it that the kingdom of the church should look like? The kingdom, first of all, is not the church. They, I know they're, they're linked, but I just want to be really clear here that us all gathered here together, we can usher in the kingdom, but that the king, actually the kingdom is so much more. In some senses, if the church was it, I would be a little bit disappointed because we are still broken people, right? We are still working through things. Actually, the kingdom of God is so much greater. We get glimpses of that. And the kingdom builds the church. How does that work? As we submit to the king, as anybody anywhere in the world says, yes, Jesus is Lord, I choose to submit to you, actually they then fall into this amazing family and community called the church. The church is Christ's bride. The church is the group of believers who say, you reign, God, not me. You reign. And we can see different expressions of the kingdom. I don't think we should be too hung up on our God only moves in this way or that way. Actually, I think as we look back at church history and we look at what God is doing in the world today, there are many different ways God is working, but they all come into the kingdom. And so we here in Winchester have an amazing opportunity to be part of this. If that vision of the kingdom doesn't excite you, if you still consider the church just to be more of a dusty old building, let me be slightly provocative today and say, I don't think you've actually fully got it. Because when I look at Jesus and when I look at what his vision for us is, my goodness, it's amazing. It's that fullness, it's families restored, it's life, it's a freedom from fear, it's fullness of healing, it's all of this incredible goodness and glory. That's the vision for all of creation. And the church, despite its flaws, despite everything going on, has the mission of going out and making that known. And the final point on that list, as I come into land, the church is actually the bride of the king. A church is the bride of the king. Me, as a man, I need to get over that. Um, but actually, I, there is male and female language the Bible uses. We, as the church, have the joy of actually having Jesus as our husband, Jesus as our partner. And there's an intimacy there. So as we do this, it's not as if we need to do it on our own. In fact, I think that's one of those cultural bits which we often fall into. We feel guilty. We feel we're not working hard enough. We feel we can't do it. God says, no, no, no. I love you. I'm for you. The Holy Spirit is with you and enabling you. And then we need to show that God, that love and that intimacy back. And if you're not feeling that this morning, then actually as we move into communion, I believe there is some people here today that as you come and as you take the bread and the wine, God just wants to pour his love upon you. As Nigel shared that vision of um, the tunnel, actually God is with us in all different parts. And whilst maybe some of what I've said this morning is potentially slightly hard to hear if you're in that place, 
I do believe that's God's heart, the Father's heart that says, I want you to experience this. I want you to know my love. So the kingdom and the church, do we know where we are? Do we know where we're going? Because God is on the move and he is on the move in this church as well. And as we come into communion, I also want you to just think about that corporate call. So yes, we as individuals have our different roles, our different giftings. We don't often think about us being church, us having this corporate call. And as we break the bread, actually, one of the amazing things about communion, one of the sacraments, the practices that Jesus gives us, is that as we break that bread, we remember we are one body. We are connected with the church worldwide, with the people in Uganda, in Kampala, with Christians everywhere, even Christians have gone before us. We are one body, the church. And then as we drink the wine, we remember all that Jesus has done and how the kingdom has started. So as we come into this, I just invite you to press in, to ask what God is doing. And maybe he's got something for you individually. Maybe it's something for you as part of the church. But I'm going to invite Nigel and Laura up now come and guide us in communion.